0: WBUR Podcasts, Boston.
1: I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. Boston Globe addiction reporter Chris Sears, welcome to The Common.
0: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, So, Chris, mobile sports betting became legal just over a year ago, and you recently reported a story about how, since then, there has been an uptick in young adults and teens seeking help for compulsive gambling. I really want to get into this with you, Chris, and I want you to start us off by explaining why sports gambling, particularly on mobile platforms, is so addictive.
0: Well, I think that gambling has always been attractive. I think what's changed is that, you know, now it's possible to bet not just on the outcome of a game, but on every facet of a game. You know, it's known as prop betting. Mm -hmm. You can bet on everything from the coin toss to how many touchdowns your favorite quarterback's going to throw in the first quarter. Uh, You can literally bet on hundreds of different events during the course of a game. And this kind of rapid fire betting, you know, that's available on your phone twenty four seven, is something that I don't think people imagined even a decade ago. Yeah. So if you've got an inclination towards uh, compulsive behavior, it fuels that fire.
1: It seems a lot of apps in general. I'm thinking about social media apps. They're designed for that compulsory behavior. It seems like when you throw in uh, gambling things could get really hairy really fast.
0: Well, it can. And, you know, about a month ago, I reached out to Gamblers Anonymous. There's a reason why they're called Gamblers Anonymous. You know, they want to remain anonymous. But I asked them if they would be open to allowing me to attend some of their meetings just to get a window on, you know, what is going on with these apps and why are they so addictive. And and that really opened the door to me. You know, some of these meetings, you know, there were 50 people in these meetings and they were describing to me at what it was like at two in the morning to, to feel this compulsion to bet. You know, I interviewed one gentleman who who lost, you know, over seventy thousand dollars. He he bet over four hundred thousand dollars over the course of three months. He said I was never a person who was compulsive about anything. You know, he's a rule follower. Right. He's he's a smart guy. He doesn't jaywalk. He doesn't drink. He doesn't take drugs. He doesn't do any of those things. But he said it was something about the sports betting apps that hooked him to the point where he was laying down $1,000 bets on whether the next pitch in a Red Sox game was going to be a ball or a strike. Mm. He was betting on his phone while he was taking a shower in the morning. He was betting on the phone while he was driving to work. He was betting on his phone while he was trying to deal with customers at the job he had. It used to be back in the day that if you wanted to lay a bet, uh, you had to go to a physical place. You know, you had to go to a casino or a racetrack. And now it's just right here. It's right at our fingertips.
1: I'm wondering, uh, how is this uniquely dangerous for young folks?
0: We've learned a lot about the adolescent brain over the past couple decades. You know, and we, we know that the frontal cortex, which governs logical thinking and reasoning isn't fully developed until you're, you know, 26, uh, 27 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the adolescent brain is just more impulsive. And so it, it makes them especially vulnerable uh, to this kind of rapid fire, accessible type of gambling platform. I've got two teenage kids. so So I saw them, you know, during COVID when they were stuck at home they spent a lot of time on gaming platforms, uh, not gambling platforms, but gaming platforms. Yeah. And what I started to learn in talking to some of these young folks is that uh, there were real similarities between some of these gambling platforms and some of the rewards you could get if you bet money and some of the rewards you could get on some of those popular video games that they were playing during COVID. And so it, the danger here is that the very patterns of behavior that started to develop over the past couple of years are just now kind of created fertile soil, so to speak, for the online gambling industry to tap. The big concern is once you got them hooked on on a platform like this, then you've got them potentially for a very long time. And mm-hmm. and that's something else that I learned from these Gamblers Anonymous meetings is that a lot of these older adults, when they talked about kind of when their problem started, when they got hooked on gambling, they many of them, referred back to experiences when they were in middle school or in high school you know those first experiences and uh, many of them expressed a wish that they could go back in time and fix the problem back when they were young
1: do we have a sense of how prevalent gambling is among youth and do we have a sense of what it was like before and after mobile sports gambling was legalized
0: Well, there was a survey released, you know, two weeks ago by Siena College that found that, uh, you know, the biggest demographic category for online sports betting are young men uh, from ages 18 to 33, and uh, about 40% of them. Hmm. When we talk about teenagers and adolescents, there isn't data around that because there hasn't really been studies around this. You know, the whole online gaming industry is fairly new. It was just legalized in Massachusetts just a year ago. So there's hopefully going to be some more uh, in-depth research around that to get a sense of how widespread it is. But boy, I mean, you know, we called therapists all over the state, you know, treatment clinics and said, look, are you starting to see uh, adolescents show up at your clinic with gambling problems? And what we were told is absolutely. Sometimes they show up with other issues, maybe depression, maybe anxiety, maybe substance use problems. But in the course of their treatment, they discover that they also have gambling problems. And so this is out there. Uh, There's no question about it. Uh, As far as the scope, uh, I don't think at this point we really know.
1: We're going to take a break, but we'll be right back.
0: mining for a green future five special episodes listen and follow on point wherever you get your podcasts did you kill marlene johnson i think you're one of the first people to have actually asked from wbur and zsp media this is beyond all repair Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig.
1: And we're back with more from Chris Sears of the Boston Globe. Do you know if anyone is doing anything about this? Are any lawmakers, activists, or mental health experts, are any of them paying attention to this and and taking action?
0: There are groups that are focused on this, and uh, a number of them are starting to call for greater regulation around the advertising, specifically around the targeting of kids, and also calling for better guardrails so that it becomes more difficult for young people to uh, to actually get on the platforms, we tested a couple of the platforms just to see how easy or difficult it was to get on them. You know, they actually asked for your age, mm-hmm. and then you're on. You know, and and from that point, if you've got access to your parents' bank account information, you know, you're off to the races. You're you're rolling. You're able to make bets. Right. And so, what we found is that the guardrails are pretty porous when it comes to access to these sites. So anyway, the the point I'm trying to make is that these groups that advocate for problem gamblers, they are calling for tougher guardrails and, frankly, greater awareness around this because, you know, the industry has just grown much faster than uh, the public awareness campaigns around the the risks associated with these online gambling platforms. And, uh, you know, we've had campaigns around big tobacco. We've had campaigns around the dangers of opioids we haven't really seen the same level of uh, public awareness campaigns around gambling and the risk to kids. Right.
1: Well, you know what? I want to get into the machine that is sports betting because, Mm. you know, I see a lot of advertising and I'm even seeing media sponsorships. Can you talk about this industry that is sports betting in this moment? I mean, it's
0: huge. You know, you look at Massachusetts, just our state, Nearly $5 billion was wagered just in the first year. Wow. And, you know, I probably passed six garbage cans on my way to work today yep. with ads for DraftKings. And uh, so many of these online platforms are dangling these, these offers, you know, put $20 down, get $500 worth of bonus points. And because they know that if they can get you just to make one bet, then potentially they have you. Are any
1: sports gambling companies seeing this and taking action on their
0: end they are to some extent in the sense that you know they have responsible gaming tools for instance you know you can set limits on the amount that you're betting you can set limits on the amount of time you're betting these are responsible gaming tools the criticism of those tools is that they're really not marketed very aggressively and um your typical person that's on these platforms is not looking to limit their bets but they do tout these as a as kind of an example of that they're trying to be responsible and, and trying to minimize the potential for people to become compulsive gamblers mm-hmm. to be completely honest with you you know the industry makes the vast majority of its profits from something like 20% of its users many of whom do have problem gambling habits. Mm -hmm. And and there have been studies that show that that's where they make their money on those folks that just cannot put down their phones. Hmm.
1: Do you see this becoming another serious addiction problem for the state and the region, perhaps kind of like what we've seen with opioids?
0: I think the potential is there for this to become a serious public health crisis, It has many of the same parallels to the beginning of the opioid crisis in the sense that, you know, early on, people thought OxyContin, for instance, was non-addictive. It was touted as non-addictive. For years, the risk of prescription painkillers was minimized. And I think we're sort of seeing that with online gaming in the sense that it's become normalized. We saw it during the Super Bowl, all the ads. We're seeing... Celebrities, sports stars endorse these online gaming platforms. We're talking about two very different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a sense, but you know, now we're in the midst of a you know serious overdose crisis. We're losing over twenty three hundred people a, a year in Massachusetts to opioid overdoses. Mm. That's a cost of human life. Right. I don't mean to suggest that gambling addictions are analogous to opioid addictions, but at the same time, you know, there is a real cost associated with gambling addictions people become suicidal they become depressed they become desperate
1: what kind of help is available to young people struggling uh, with the with the gambling addiction
0: well there's the massachusetts gambling helpline gamblers anonymous is another there are uh, mental health clinics uh, you can reach out to um, as well but certainly getting help soon is is i think really crucial You know, Again, one of the things I kept hearing time and again from people in these Gamblers Anonymous meetings was that it's one thing to lose all your savings, but one thing they couldn't get back that they really regretted was they couldn't get back the time that they lost when they were gambling. And that was something that just Mm -hmm. people kept saying over and over and over again that they regretted. They couldn't get back that time. And so I think it's really important for folks out there and parents and, you know, if they sense there's a problem to to really try to get help quickly. Man, Chris,
1: thank you for your story and thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you so much for this.
0: Well, thank you for helping to shine a light on this. I really appreciate it.
1: If you or someone you know is struggling from gambling addiction, you can call 1-800-327-5050 for the Massachusetts Problem Gambling Helpline. You can also go to GamblingHelplineMA.org. And the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at Common at WBUR.org. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I will talk to you tomorrow.